Hey there, I want to invite you to join me for the Strategic Summer Workshop, which is taking place on Thursday, May 30th at 1130 Eastern. You can go to schoolsofexcellence.com slash summer to sign up. In this workshop, I'm going to walk you through how to identify simple solutions and systems that will make a massive difference and ripple effect inside of your center. I'm going to help you create efficiency where you need it most and understand what is causing your school to feel so hectic and where those big pain points are. We're going to clarify your center's priority system to improve this summer. I'm going to show you how to audit those systems. We're going to define your desired outcomes, and you're going to leave the workshop with a simple plan that will make huge impact. And by simple, I mean very simple. No complex, no multi-step processes. Super, super simple. No one has time for long things. No one has brain capacity for extra stuff. We need simple things that have massive impact. Go to schoolsofexcellence.com slash summer, and I'll see you there. Welcome to the Schools of Excellence podcast, where we have conversations about education, leadership, and building a school of excellence. The goal on this show is to bring you clarity, up-level your mindset, and give you practical strategies and inspiration so you can show up with confidence and trust your decision-making. I'm Khani Wolshansky. I'm a mom of four under 10, a former New Yorker, and been in the early childhood field my entire life. And I'm so grateful that you've joined me for this conversation. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Schools of Excellence podcast. Today's episode is Decoding Your Culture, Part 2. So last week, we started to speak about decoding your culture. And on the episode, I spoke about my new concept that I developed for the Summit of Excellence, which is coming up February 28th, March 1st and 2nd here in Miami, Florida. And that unique event is all about building legacy through values-based leadership. And one of the core trainings that I'll be teaching at this event is the cultural tension decoder, how to decode the emotional behaviors and actions that are going on in your company. So if you haven't listened to that episode, highly encourage you to go back and listen to that episode because this one builds on the previous one. And so in today's episode, we're going to talk about the characteristics of drama-free leadership. A big component of how culture is designed and how you as a leader can intentionally craft and build a culture you desire is we need to decode what drama is. Okay, Drama is a huge component that takes up a lot of mental and emotional bandwidth of directors and owners as they're trying to scale and grow companies when they're dealing with dramatic people, just lots of high drama. So today I'm going to talk about the characteristics of drama, what that looks like in your center, and we'll also talk about the characteristics of drama-free leadership. Today's episode, you're going to hear a lot of stories of school leaders, and you're going to find a lot of similarities and possibly find yourself inside of them. I've changed the names and some identifying details to respect the privacy of the people that I connect with and my clients. One of the things you'll notice here in Schools of Excellence on our podcast is you'll find many interviews that I do with our clients, with members of Schools of Excellence. We recently did a series on Client Spotlight. We have lots and lots of conversations that you could definitely go listen to and hear the uh, firsthand account from our clients. Today, I'm taking a little bit of a different direction because the information that I'm sharing is more highly sensitive. And 
I really want to make sure that I respect the confidentiality of our clients. So that's why I'm using different names, change some identifying details, but the stories that are here are real. These stories have really happened inside organizations over the last 18 months to two years. So let's talk about drama, okay? A person who is drama, okay? The definition is a person who often has exaggerated or overly emotional reactions to events or situations, okay? So again, it's a person who often has exaggerated or overly emotional reactions to events or situations, Drama can be extremely draining and toxic in a school culture. The emotional temperature of this person feels exhausting to anyone around them. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking, oh gosh, am am I a drama person? Or, you know, this person is drama. I'm going to share some of the signs of a dramatic person. Okay, there are five core signs that you're dealing with drama. Number one, they criticize and complain. The single biggest red flag for me as a coach and as a mentor, consultant and working with leaders is when I meet someone and the first thing that they do is criticize someone or something and lay out a long list of complaints on any number of random things for anyone unfortunate to be in their immediate vicinity. I know that that person is drama. Okay, that person is drama. So let me tell you about Jenny. Okay, Jenny is a phenomenal owner. She hired a new director for her company. And this new director, Tessa, filled all the requirements and skills. She even had two degrees. She had a master's in education. She was just really qualified. And Jenny went through a pretty rigorous hiring process and offered Tessa the job. A few days into the role, Jenny was observing the building. And she actually overheard Tessa speaking in the teacher's room. And she was complaining about the lack of supplies that was going on in the art room and in kind of the custodian's closet. And she was complaining to the teachers and the teachers were agreeing with her. They were kind of, you know, saying, yeah, and this and that. And it was almost as if she had formed a connection and a relationship with the teachers over a shared complaint. So Jenny was a little concerned about this, but she decided not to say anything to Tessa, right? It's, you know, she was a week into the job and she's like, I'm just going to let it go. And she made a mental note to continue to observe it. Over the next few weeks, there were more small incidences where Tessa just complained about anything, right? So the gate to the playground was slightly broken. She criticized Jenny for not fixing it fast enough. The toilet in the toddler room was having an issue flushing, and Tessa complained about it for days until the plumber was finally able to come and fix it. It was all these small grievances of daily life in a childcare center that Tessa could not manage. It wasn't giant things, right? The criticizing and complaining that's a component of drama from a dramatic person is not the big things in life. It's always these small things, right? The playground lock is broken. The toilet doesn't flush. The paper towel dispenser is jammed. The light in the teacher's room is flickering and needs to be changed. Anything that was less than perfect in Tessa's eyes was deemed worthy of being criticized and complaining about. Jenny was exhausted. She was tiptoeing around her and she was becoming extremely anxious. And 
as the weeks wore on, Jenny started to realize a shift in her staff. She started to avoid coming to the center for fear interacting with Tessa. She was tired. The drama was impacting her sleep. But the thing that bothered her the most, it was really impacting the team. The steam started to complain and started to criticize and started to point out all these little things that no one ever even noticed before. They were just part of the daily functioning of the center. That is criticizing and complaining. A huge, huge red flag of someone who is drama. So let's go to gossip. Gossip is the second component of a drama-filled leader. I believe that gossip has to be one of the single most destructive forces in human relationships. I'll say that again. I believe that gossip is the single most destructive force in human relationships. If you ever need a reminder of the darkness that lurks between us, watch the delight that some people seem to derive from sharing gossip or the tales of misfortune of others. If someone is not using words to empower or motivate people around them, if they're not spreading positivity and energy, they're usually not someone that you can trust with information. And they're definitely not someone you want to trust with your precious life, your time right? They leap into gossip immediately. And the reason why I call it the most destructive force in human relationships is because it actually can destroy relationships. It destroys relationships. I was working the director, Betty, and Betty started working in the director's inner circle a few months Uh, A few months into the program, she started to develop a little bit more awareness around her own emotional behaviors. One of the things that are part of the directors in our circle roadmap, which is the pyramid of excellence, is the self-awareness training where we help the directors understand how are you showing up? What is your emotional thermostat? What is your mindset? How is your behaviors impacting your staff, your culture, the quality of your team? So one of the things that Betty recognized was that she has resting bitch face, also known as RBF. And she started to recognize how that was really impacting her team. And she was like, okay, I need to be a little bit more smiley. I need to be a little bit more cognizant of how I'm coming across. So Betty comes to a coaching call and on the call, She brought up that as she started to smile more and, you know, started to just be more cognizant of her emotions, she all of a sudden started to realize how much gossip is going on in her building. See, this is the power of self-awareness. This is the, the ripple effect of becoming aware of your emotions. Because what happens is when you start to become aware of like, oh, one second, I'm actually doing this and this is happening here and this is happening here. Then your eyes become heightened to there's a lot of gossip going on over here. And on the coaching call, she brought up, she said, you know, I'm I'm really starting to notice that there's actually a lot of gossip in my center. And it was so intense that it was kind of any word that got out. Her teachers would feast on it like hungry hyenas. They would rip the person apart and laugh and giggle. And she was like, how do I stop this? How do I stop this gossip? So one of the things that we have inside of our program is mentor coaches. And Sharon Hobson, who has been 
a guest on this podcast. We did an interview with her. She is one of our lead mentor coaches. And Sharon guided her how to write a gossip standard. So one of the things we teach in schools of excellence is how to write standards. So not NACI standards or company standards, which is like close the toilet seat, close the outlet covers. Those are different standards. Standards of excellence. And one of the standards of excellence is the gossip standard in your company. What is your tolerance level for gossip? How is gossip handled? What is allowed and not allowed? What is the definition of gossip? And then teachers sign this standard when they join the company. So just like they sign a contract and they sign that they've read, you know, the school policies and standards, you need to sign this standard. This is our gossip standard. So the director did you know some coaching with Sharon. Sharon guided her on how to create the standard, how to write it. She came onto a coaching call with myself. I introduced her to how I coached her on how to introduce this to her team at the next staff meeting, right? It's really important to understand that we can't just take a strategy and bring it into our school, right? And, and Betty knows that from being inside the directors in our circle and that there needs to be intentionality in how you roll something out to the team. So she came into the coaching call and I guided her how to introduce the gossip standard to her team. And so she was super excited about it. She introduced the standard at the next staff meeting and she started to become aware of who was gossiping more, who were some of the kind of core ringleaders of this. And she started to enforce the gossip standard, holding people accountable to it, rewarding good behavior. But it was still lurking, was still an ever-present part of the company. So in the next coaching call, I asked her a question. I said, tell me a little bit about your social life. Tell me a little bit about what you talk about with your girlfriends when you go out with them. She has a lot of friends, Betty. And she was quiet. And she started laughing. And she's like, oh, we sit with Mai Tais and pizza and we just shoot the breeze and talk about things. And she's going on and on. And I paused her and I said, do you gossip a lot with your girlfriends? And uh, she was quiet again. And she's like, yeah, I guess, you know, I guess, I guess we do gossip a lot together. And I said, well, let me ask you another question. What about your relationship with your partner or significant other? Do you gossip together? Do you talk about other people? Do you compare yourselves to other people as part of your conversation and relationship? And she's like, yeah, you know, we do. We gossip together sometimes. And I said, okay. How we do anything is how you do everything. If you are committed to eradicating gossip from your company, the first place to start is with yourself. You need to decrease the amount of gossip that you engage with in your personal life. Because contrary to what lots of people believe, oh, create a separation of work and home. Leave your baggage at the door. I call bullshit. You can't do it. Stop it. You are one person. Your home life impacts your work life. Okay? Imagine telling someone who just lost their partner or their parent or their child and they come to work and you tell them leave your baggage at the door thanks yeah i'm also gonna leave you at the door and not come back to work for a company who has zero empathy for grief 
right? So when it comes to grief, we're like, oh, of course people can't leave their baggage at the door. The person just lost their parent. Of course they're going to be in grief and bereavement and sad when they come to work. Yes, here's why. You cannot separate the two things. When you're happy at home, you're happy at work. When you're sad at home, it is very difficult to be happy at work. When you gossip at home and you gossip with your girlfriends, you're going to gossip at work because gossip is part of the way that you show up in the world. Let that sink in for a second. So I said, gossip is garbage. Treat it that way. Every word that comes out of your mouth, if you think it's gossip, don't take it out. It's garbage. Don't engage. Now, we all gossip in different ways, right? I I find it difficult to find a person who never talks about other people or who never, right? It's, It's a little bit part of the human experience, But we do know some people that are hardcore gossipers and drama and people that just occasionally talk about other people sometimes. It's a big difference. So I said, you're telling me, I looked at Betty, that you engage in a lot of gossip, right? It's not regular conversation just talking about someone else sometimes. It's it's gossip. You like the drama. And she's like, okay. I'm going to I'm going to be intentional about this. I'm going to be more mindful about not engaging in this conversation. So she started this process and she actually created an accountability partner for herself in the directors inner circle because on that coaching call, it's a group call, right? So there's other directors on the call and one of the other directors pinged her privately and said, "Listen, like I struggle with this also. Can we be buddies and we'll both work on this together?" So Betty's like, yeah, sure. So they both worked on it together. They created this accountability system and they started to work on decreasing the amount of gossip they engaged with. Betty sent me a text message, a Facebook message, just a couple of months after they started this process together. And she spoke about how she started to exercise more and she made more space for meditation. And I was like, interesting. Like, I thought that was a random message that she was sending me because that wasn't even something that we were particularly working on. And she's like, yeah, you know, I didn't realize how much time I waste on gossip. (laughs) And I was laughing to myself and I sent her a message back and I was like, wow, that's a lot of time, right? You made time for exercise and meditation. She was saying how one of the things that I coach on is that nature abhors a vacuum. The moment you stop doing something, nature is going to want you to fill that time with something else. So be mindful about what you fill that time with. So she's like, I, I kept that to heart. It was sitting somewhere you know, back in my mind. And as I started to decrease the amount of gossip, I was like, okay, well, what am I going to do instead? And she's like, I've always said that I wanted to exercise and meditate more, but I always said, I don't have time. Well, it turns out I have lots of time if I'm not gossiping. And it transformed her herself. It really did. And when the leader transforms, the culture transforms. But it, it starts with her. It starts with her. So gossip, gossip is a huge part of drama leadership. Okay, so we spoke about the first two so far, right? The first one being criticizing and complaining, and the second one being gossip, okay? Let's go to the third one, playing the victim. 
One of the top traits of emotional maturity, okay, is the ability to recognize and acknowledge how your own thoughts, beliefs, actions, and behaviors contribute to a specific outcome. Okay, so I'll say it again. This is what I talk about a lot also on emotional regulation, which is episode 99 on the Schools of Excellence podcast, part of our Bridge to Excellence framework. And emotional regulation is the ability to recognize and acknowledge that your thoughts, your beliefs, your actions, your behaviors are what contribute to an outcome. It's about taking responsibility for your own actions and not shifting blame or painting ourselves as a victim of a circumstance when you made that choice to lead down a specific path. Okay? A sign that you are mature and enlightened and uh, grown up is when you understand this. So let me tell you about Kimmy. Kimmy was, is a really brilliant and capable owner. And we started working together. And a couple months into working together in our owner's HQ program, a lot of life challenges and obstacles were thrown at her. And they were tough. They were really hard, hard stuff. And she went into hiding. Now, one of the things that I know about our members is when they're quiet or when they go into hiding, it's usually because they're feeling shame around something that they're doing or not doing or something that's going on in their life. And the shame comes from they think they're the only one. They think if I only knew all the shit that was going on, I wouldn't be friends with them. I wouldn't want to engage with them. So they hide. The reason I'm sharing this with you is because Part of being a leader is understanding the relational intelligence of what goes on inside your organization. And if people are hiding or people are avoiding, they're doing it for a very specific reason. And it's typically because they feel shame. They're hiding because they think they're the only one dealing with it. And if you only knew the real me, you would you would never keep me here. So they hide. So I call bullshit. And we have a whole process for this inside of our company on how we take care of clients who go into hiding. We have multi-step process of how we reach out, myself, my team, and eventually they respond. And we call them SOS calls. And these calls are really about shame evaporation. We work on these SOS calls to help the client recognize that they're sitting in shame. So when I was Chatting with Kimmy, she recognized that she's not the only person in life that life throws hard stuff at them. And she's not the first person to deal with whatever she's dealing with, and she won't be the last person. And it's okay to feel all the emotions, and then we need to get back up again. So we were talking, and she was sharing with me about her directors, and she was talking about how her directors are really playing the victim a lot. They complain about their schedules. They complain that they're overworked. They complain that they don't have time to do anything. And she's like, I really need them to stop being the victim. I need them to stop complaining. They have more than enough time to do everything that they have to do. So part of being a coach is asking questions. And I say this on coaching calls often. And I don't know if I've ever said it here on the podcast, but the lowest form of advice is ideas and tips and tricks the lowest form of advice. The highest form of advice is a great question. 
The lowest form of advice is tips and tricks. The highest form of advice is coaching and asking questions. So I don't give tips and tricks because I want to be a high-level coach. And that's what our company is about. It's about helping our clients understand how to think, not what to think. You don't need me to tell you what to think. You have your own brain. When you work with our company, it's guiding and understanding how to think, how you process, how you ask questions. So I turned to her and I said, listen, Kimmy, if the ripple effect starts with you, right? You know that. The ripple effect starts with you. You don't like that your directors are playing the victim. Okay. So a different mentor might come in and say, oh, try this trick. Do this tactic. Do this thing. This person did this thing. Stop it. They don't need more ideas from you. They are smart. Kimmy is smart. She doesn't need me to tell her what to do. She needs me to invite her to step back into herself, into her own intuition, and listen to what she already knows. So I said, if the ripple effect starts with you, what is one thing that you can shift about yourself that will help the team? So she was quiet and then she started laughing and she's like, well, I guess I could start being, stop being the victim of my own life. I guess that I could be more mindful about not playing the victim card because I've kind of been doing that over the last little bit. And maybe I could start being more empowered and recognizing that I do have agency in my life, right? One of the meta skills from our bridge to excellence episode 92, I think, is individual advocacy. So I was coaching on that. I was like, what does it mean to have advocacy in your life? What would it mean if you were an advocate for what was happening in your center? What would you do differently? I didn't tell her what to do. Nobody needs someone to tell them what to do. Kimmy's a grown-up. She's over 60. She doesn't need me to tell her what to do. She needs to be reminded and invited to think, to re-engage the most amazing organ in her body, her brain, right? Here's what we engage with most of the time. I don't feel like it. I don't want to do this. This feels uncomfortable. Engage your brain for a second and say, okay, I have control over this. I have agency in my life. Right. And then you feel it in your body. Whoa. You stand taller. Your chest opens. Your shoulders relax. I got this. So she started to shift from playing the victim to having agency in her life. Playing the victim is drama. Lots and lots and lots and lots of drama. And drama is not good for your culture. So we're going to pause the episode here because I like to keep these episodes shorter so that they're easy to digest. So next week, we're going to dig into the final two symptoms of drama, which is manipulation and inconsistent actions and behaviors. And then next week, I'm also going to be talking about the characteristics of drama-free leadership, right? What are the 10 characteristics that make someone drama-free? So thanks so much for listening to today's episode on Decoding Your Culture. 
If you haven't had a chance yet to rate our podcast and leave us a review, would so appreciate you doing that. Reviews and ratings help more people discover us and help us with our mission, which is to have a global conversation about what it takes to build and sustain schools of excellence. I also want to invite you that if some of the stories today resonated with you and you are looking for that next level coaching, right? You resonate with Kimmy and you want to pull yourself out of victimhood. You resonate with what Jenny went through and you want to create a culture that is devoid of criticizing and complaining. You resonate with Betty and you're like, I want to stop gossip inside of my center then I encourage you to fill out an application for our Directors in Our Circle or our Owners HQ program and see if it's a right fit. We'll get on a call. We'll chat together. We'll talk a little bit about your center, what's going on, the skills that you want to learn, how you want to develop and grow in 2023. And if it's a good fit, we'll figure that out on the call together. So thanks for listening today and we'll see you next week. If you are loving the Schools of Excellence podcast and have gotten any value out of it for your school, I would love if you can do two things for me. One, subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. And two, can you please leave us a review? Reviews help other school leaders know that this is the place to learn how to build a school of excellence. And I would be so grateful if you can do that for us. Your help and support makes this show to be able to be listened by the thousands of other school leaders all around the world. Thanks so much for listening, for giving us your time and attention each and every week. And I appreciate that you have joined us. Hey there, I want to invite you to join me for the Strategic Summer Workshop on Thursday, May 30th at 1130 Eastern. You can click the link in the show notes or go to schoolsofexcellence.com slash summer. In this workshop, I'm going to walk you through how to optimize your already efficient systems or help you tweak some ones that need a little bit more tweaking to help you enter the 2024-2025 school year with ease, with success, and with calmness. Increase your profitability, reduce your expenses, and more than anything, just help you buy back some of your time. I look forward to seeing you there.